Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Air Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you're all enjoying listening and reading. I am very excited today because I have got a guest who I've been trying to get on for quite a while. He has been one of my longtime mentors in the industry. Uh, in fact, recently I just wrote about him. Uh, he has uh, always been there to support me when I when I get off the road, he's there to get me off the road. And when I want to get back on the road, he's always been there to get me back on the road. Uh, we've always had a wonderful working relationship. Uh, he's always been there to make sure that uh, I am learning and, and always doing my very best to refuse to become a dinosaur. He's always pushing me to learn new things. And every time I, uh, I start to learn something, he's always there to kind of funnel me in the right direction. Like, yes, you need to learn this, this is what's going to be coming up. If I had somebody who knows these skills, I could use you on this. And I, and I really enjoy hanging out with you. So he's always been really good at pushing me on the, what the newest technology is. So he's, he's always been kind of a, a guide and a mentor. He's always been my guiding light in person and online. I always love seeing his photos of the, of the sunsets. They are rivaled only by Cosmo Wilson in in sheer magnitude and popularity. So please welcome Steve Richards. He is a principal at Original Syndicate. Thank you so much for joining me today, Steve. I always appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to this. You're right. It's been we've been talking about this for some time. I'm glad we finally were able to find a, a slot to make it work. It's been too long, man. When I do these podcasts and I, I constantly mention that when I'm not working, I realize that I'm not among my friends. And uh, and you're one of the people that always pops up. I'm like, man, I need to get back to work so I can hang out with Steve Richards more often. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all want to get back to work, man. And, uh, and absolutely, you know, that's the, I, I guess if those that are familiar with the movie Up in the Air with uh, George Clooney, right? You sort of, mm-hmm. a lot of us feel like we're at home when we're on the road and and when we're traveling. And I think that's a huge part of it, right? Is the friendships and people you get to meet along the way and uh, and having to be able to schedule time to be able to, oh, I see so-and-so is in town X, I'm going through that city. Or, you know, hey, I'm doing a corporate event in your hometown. I would love to hang out while you're there. You know, that's sort of, that's one of the big things that's greatly been missed of, of late uh, to be able to do that for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, trust me, I do this for the paycheck, but the, one of the, the perks that we all enjoy is the, Hey, I'm in your town for 45 minutes. Can you, can I have 40 minutes to hang out? You know, well, well yes. Yeah. I can clear 40 minutes. Let's, let's see what, uh, what crazy shenanigans we can fit into 40 minutes. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've picked up people laying over at LAX and taking them in and out for a, you know, 
half hour catch up and dumped them back at the airport and that's that right so it's uh <laughs> it's uh definitely a thing that i think we're all missing for sure and uh that is something i, I will never take for granted again I, you know you used to think like ah, oh, i only get 40 minutes but now i will treasure all 40 of those minutes yeah absolutely man and i think too you know it's sort of like you know when you think about it there's a lot of people that you you miss as you said right the people that you you love traveling with or the people that you love working with but it's that whole construct of traveling that you miss as well i mean i've i've been lucky enough i've got my second covid shot just the other day planning some work trips already and have a couple of things that are happening and i logged on to my you know american airlines or tried to log on to my american airlines account and you know i had to call them you you haven't logged on for over 12 months you need to do xyz like wow i i, I flew you know I, I did 200,000 miles air miles in 2019 and I've gone the longest without flying in since 92 in 2020. This seems very strange. <laughs> yeah. You know that uh, things are going strange when even American airlines calls to check up on you. Like, Hey Steve, you still, we haven't seen you in a long time. What's we almost had to deactivate your account. We haven't seen you so long. What's are you still live? I actually had that. I had that last year. I had a couple of phone calls from American Airlines. It, I'm fortunate enough to be able to fly a lot with the one airline. So quite, you know, executive platinum. And they called me a couple of times, you know, it's such and such from the platinum desk. We're just checking in if you need anything. I was kind of very taken aback. <laughs> and it wasn't just me. I mean, you know, I talked to, to Featherstone and a couple of other people I talked to quite regularly and, and similar situations. Like, yeah, yeah, they're, I got that phone call too. Isn't it bizarre? <laughs> <laughs> Dear Mr. Richards, uh, we've been ordering all this ginger beer for the VIP lounges and uh, it must, it's, it's piling up because you haven't been uh, drinking the ginger beer lately. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's, uh, and you got to uh, remember, I had to remember an airport code. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't, uh, a business partner flew out of uh, New Orleans to come for some meetings and I couldn't remember New Orleans airport code to look up his flight and i was shocked i mean it's i used to have all the codes ingrained in my head and i had to look it up it was very sad <laughs> oh that's what i haven't even realized that we haven't been seeing that normally i've got a, a core group of friends that their only check-ins are three-digit code to three-digit code i'm flying from yyz to lax and that's you know you can scroll through and like that's all their that's their entire facebook feed Yep. And if, if we don't use those, we get rusty on them. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going, you know, ORD and LAX and JFK and, you know, MSYs, New Orleans. Uh, it's, I had to okay, look it up, good. but I remember it now. Uh, it's back. It's a city that you go to quite regularly in this world, right, in our business. So it's, uh, you, I'm going to have to remember the tricks and, and the routings and, you know, remember to do X if Y and, Watch the weather in the south if you're flying in the spring. Don't fly through Dallas. Don't connect through Dallas. You know, all those things that you've got to, that are automatic, that suddenly you're going to have to re-remember again, you know? Yeah. So, so uh, I'm reaching out today because I've been getting a lot of questions uh, on the podcast and off about what the structure is going to look like when we start flying again. Because clearly there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be just barely skimming by by the by the margin of their teeth you know just barely making money because obviously that we can't do sold out shows anymore 
And there's going to be a lot of people asking for some long time favors. You know, they're going to ask, be asking us to, you know, maybe work two, twice as much for half as much pay, maybe wearing a couple extra hats. And you've always been, you've always had some particularly good insights on what we can do to protect ourselves without sounding like a prima donna. So I'm reaching out to kind of hoping for some guidance on what can we do to maintain our, our rates in the, in the pre-COVID and the post-COVID world without, without coming off like white glovers? Well, I think there's going to be, I think there's two different elements to that. There's definitely going to be some um, leanness in the cruise, certainly from a touring standpoint. You know, I think tours are going to run lean just because you're going to want to try and have as few people as possible pragmatically from, you know, mm-hmm. potential infection, COVID, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that that's going to be a thing. And I think that the idea of as much as I'm probably going to get things thrown at me and hate mail, I think the idea of the true country club is probably a little bit, a, a little bit misguided for a little period of time. There certainly are some senior folks that have done their time. But I think that it's, you know, it's sort of this attitude of, of being all in, absolutely, you know, and I think that's, that just carries through anyway with touring. But I think that as far as making sure that you're taken care of, I think if we don't, you know, we were talking about this a bit offline, right, that there's some tours that are sort of false starting and a couple of festivals have booked and then postponed and things are sort of, you know, being put on hold for a couple of different tours myself that, that you just look at it and go, there's no way we're doing a European tour in May. That's not happening. So, you know, but, mm-hmm. but I think the reality is that once we do get to a point where everything's open, it's going to be the golden era of entertainment, you know, not just concert touring, but, but everything, everyone's going to want to get brands are going to want to get back out there and tell their message to their, you know, to their customers uh, big right. brands are going to want to do their corporate shows again, where they get their teams together and get the team bonding happening. Right. And it's going to obviously happen in a different way. I don't think there's any going back necessarily. I think people that want it to go back to how it was are misguided, but I think, you know, as we look to the future, there's going to be a new way where people are going to want to do that. So there is the definite desire and obviously there's a desperate need People will have the desire to want to take whatever they can get. And there's certainly that is 100% understandable and, and is not without merit. But there is going to be so much work out there that premium people are going to become a premium. Equipment's going to become a premium. And this idea of people doing you a favor by giving you a work is very quickly going to go away. So I think that there's, you know, if you need the work, you take the work. If you need the money, you, you, you take the work you can get. But mm-hmm. in the near term, sort of by 2022, I think, by sort of springtime 2022, so nearly 12 months away, which is a long time, it's going to be open slather. Everyone's going to want to be touring. You know, there's even talk now of bigger artists going out in the fall. There's talk of big corporate shows happening late summer, early fall. We then get into reporting season in America and... Uh, get into trade show season in the winter and spring, and that's just going to be full on. So I think, you know, you kind of want to hold your ground, I think is one thing, unless you you don't have a choice, which is totally respectable, as I said, and making sure that you know exactly what it is you're committing to. 
um, mm -hmm. and that, that is, which probably is a bit of a segue, and that if you're leaving your home or if you're doing anything at scale, that that is in writing, um, and that you have some form of acknowledgement of of what the gig is, what your roles and responsibilities are, uh, and what your compensation is going to be for that. Even if it's just an email and there's a paper trail, you know, you don't necessarily have to get into, into some big laborious contracts, although there are some specific things you should look out for if you do go down that path. But you really should make sure that you have in writing what the deal is and that you have in place what you're comfortable with because at the end of the day, the worst thing you could do is take a gig because you wanted desperately needed to and then hate the gig because you didn't want to take the gig for the money that you took it for. That's a double whammy right there. Right. So, you know, if you take a job, be, ha be happy you took the job and be thankful for the work if you take it. But you should never be told you should take this job because I'm trying to do you a favor and you should be thankful for the work, if that makes sense. Yeah. So be the thankful for the work if you choose to take it and act accordingly on site, be happy, be, you know, be engaged but don't take a gig and then not want to be there and, and be disconnected and distant because it's not going to help anybody. But on the other shoe, on the other foot, don't accept anyone telling you that you should be thankful for the work and you should take this gig because I'm doing you a favor. If uh, anybody's twisting your arm up front, you know, it's only going to get twisted farther and farther. Oh, totally. Totally. I mean, you and I have both have been in situations where very large international artists have approached us. I know it's happened to me for a fact. I know it's happened to you for a fact because it was on a project that you and I were going to work on together for a period of time uh, that neither of us worked on. And we're probably both thankful for that. But, you know, this whole idea of, yeah, no, you know, come out. It's only three shows a week, you know, do, drop your rate and, and you'll have, you know, we'll take care of you and blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, why would I work for you for a drop rate if I'm going to be working, I'm away from home, working the same time i can't take i can't like oh cool i've got two days off in milwaukee i'm just gonna go get a gig as a local i mean that doesn't happen right you're on tour so <laughs> it's you know oh i'll go pack groceries for a couple of days to supplement my wage if i would if i was at home if i wasn't making what i wanted to make right? maybe so someday when we come up with some sort of uber lighting uh, programmer app where we can just like well i'm in milwaukee for two days anybody need a programmer for seven hours i'm available right, right? Someday so we'll work a patent pending, patent pending. There you go. You should, uh, you should put a business plan around that. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a real moneymaker. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, that's the thing though. Right. And, and you sort of say that, but there's guys now that I know that have gone off and working in the real world, I guess, and, and doing nine to five jobs. And have you know, a lot of companies like Amazon and the grocery stores and, and UPS and places like that, FedEx, all were desperate to hire at the start of COVID because the supply chain fell over and the right. shops fell over, right? Without being able to restock and all that stuff that happened. So I know guys out in Nashville that got a couple of them got a job at the local UPS distribution center and they're now both regional managers because they roadied it. <laughs> they came in and went, this is wrong. I'm going to reorganize your business. And very quickly they got promoted to manager and they're like, guys, I ain't going back on the road. I've got a nine to five job. I've got a wife and two kids. I'm making the same money I was making on the road. Not interested, you know? 
that is definitely something that we all have to be aware of when we start going back. There's a lot of designers who are, who are going to make it through this, but there's going to be a lot of crew chiefs and a lot of first, second, thirds on the crew that they've, they're off to greener pastures. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a, a real shortage and there's going to oh, be some absolutely. people that can name their price to get back out on the road because people still need, we still need technicians. We still need crew chiefs. We need, there's all those roles still need to be filled. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, and that's made it into the somewhat mainstream media. I think there was an article in the wall street journal a couple of weeks ago about how, you know, the roadies aren't coming back. I can't remember the exact title, but it was, you know, along the lines of the, the entertainment industry workers have gone off into the real world and, and they've found, you know, the grass is greener in some ways, you know, there'll definitely be people that are, that are desperate to get back and will come back, but there's going to be others that are going to go, you know what? I really don't feel like doing a submarine ride from Milwaukee to Plano, Texas. <laughs> I'd rather continue my job that I got during COVID, you know? So uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is, it'll be interesting, but I think, you know, to sort of circle back to what you're asking, you know, you really have to make sure that you know what you're walking into and mm-hmm. you have to make sure that you are comfortable with the situation that you've created for yourself. So if you take the gig, be appreciative of it, but make sure that you have protections in place. So to your point, right, your gig is as a a lighting director, you know, sure, some of us will help build front of house. Some of us will help build the closest trust. Some of us will jump in and help pack a truck. That's, you know, some people are like that. Some people are not, but, you know, to get there and suddenly find out that, oh, by the way, you didn't think you were doing this, but now you're going to be doing this role and this role. And, you know, catering is going to need a hand with putting together the lunches before you go and start setting up front of house. You know, that's sort of a weird statement, but, you know, interdepartmental stuff and, hey, X, Y, Z, we want you to do this and that. You know, you get out there and you find out the rules are different and, you know, it's kind of like it or leave it. So you want to make sure that you're covered. If you're, if you're traveling, you want to make sure that you understand the parameters of your travel. I mean, I think it's going to be a really hard bargain for some people that thought they deserve business class previously to continue to get that, for instance, you know, cost of travel, domestic travel is as cheap as anything, but international travel, certainly to places where they're still quarantining and there's still protections in place is incredibly expensive, you know, a round trip ticket to Australia right now is $35,000 because there's only 30 people per plane. So, you know, that's just sort of that sort of stuff. And that's for economy. And then you have to pay for the quarantine and then you have to pay for, you know, X, Y, Z on top of that testing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's an expense. That's yeah, hard one so, to, That's a hard one to put into a contract. Like, yeah, I need business for that too. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've looked, I've, I've, you know, I'm Australian as I, I live here in LA and I've been quite desperate to get back to Australia. I haven't gone home this whole quarantine COVID time because of quarantine and other couple of other things uh, that have prevented me from it. But one of the big preventers is cost, you know, and I, you'd yeah. save up your money and I'd fly down at the end of the year and I would have points or upgrade or treat myself, you know, to business class. And that's, that was a, that was a thing. And I save for it. Right. But, you could still get an economy flight in some time of the year, you can get economy flights for under a thousand dollars round trip to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I've seen business class flights up over a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> That's just crazy. Oh 
and there's a no flight month terms on that yeah right i mean it's like it's it's crazy so and that you've got to be mindful of that when you're you know you when you would normally have dug your heels in if you want just a specific job then just you know be pragmatic but there's other people that that they'll feel you know I would still personally feel strongly about business class for certain things, especially if I'm going to work straight away. And I would be willing to wait for that opportunity where I was going to be taken care of in that respect. Right. But I'm also, there's no, you know, if you need the work, take the work. That's, yeah. uh, but make sure it's in place and make sure, you know, contractually things like your, you know, what happens if the tour is canceled because of COVID, right? What happens if you get COVID? and you have to replace yourself or you have to go to hospital. Like what, you know, it used to be the roadie rule was if you had to, you know, pending extreme emergencies, if you needed to get off the tour, it was partly your responsibility to replace yourself. You know, that's, that's sort of the roadie code, I guess, right? It's, it's not probably as much these days, but what does that look like if you get COVID or if, if you get to get forced to quarantine because your bunk neighbor has COVID or how's that look like, you know? So what are those things? So I think that there's a lot of things that need to be thought about with that, you know, a simple memorandum of understanding or, or brief, you know, contract, independent contractor contract, employee contract is certainly is definitely something you should be thinking about. If you're doing anything, you know, you mentioned before we were, you're chatting, you know, this whole idea doing a producing live streams from home. And I know a lot of people, myself included, have been doing that. And yes, there's contracts around the stuff that I've been doing some mostly because of the brands and the clients that we've been working for. It's demanded of them, right? It's, you don't, right. you go through procurement, you, you sign a contract, they pull a purchase order and that's that, right? And it's business that I'm doing from home. That same company would be drawing up a similar contract if I was to fly across the world for them. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of a, based on where you are, what your situation is, you know, what your comfort level is, but the handshake deal is essentially done. I think for right. the most part, you know, I think that a lot of these, a lot of our clients are going to be really enticed by not having to fly people down to Australia anymore. I think there's going to be a lot of online presentations where instead of flying them to Australia for 35 grand, they're just going to zoom them in and put them on a, on a green screen and save that 35 grand, apply that money to some, spend a thousand dollars on some virtual effects instead of a, a single flight. And next thing you know, uh, some content generators and some, uh, some camera ops are going to be making that money instead of the airline. So that money yeah. is still there. It's still available. Oh, absolutely. I agree. And I think that that's, that's a very big thing and very important thing. You know, I think you mentioned before about the idea of, of where the next thing is, the, the learn disguise, learn disguise, learn disguise is, is all I can say, right? A learn Unreal Engine and get an understanding of how that, that works and how those systems work. Because, you know, sure, in you know, there's been a lot of huge productions that are XR stages and they're a monstrous thing and they're a beautiful thing. And, but they're also very expensive. And I don't think XR stage LED volume is something that will very much feature in concert touring as it does currently with people doing live streams, right? Your Billie Eilish is in your 
Katy Perry's and all those amazing shows and, and things that we've seen stream from an XR stage. But for television and for even episodics and now obviously film, the stuff that, you know, all these big film companies are doing, it's going to be a huge thing. And there are just not enough people out there that know these platforms, you know, that know how to use Disguise with XR and know how to use Unreal and RenderStream and the combination of that and all the tracking software and all the camera tracking and everything else. I mean, that's, there's literally not enough. I see emails and, and have phone calls every day with people going, do you know anyone? We're screwed. So, you know, that to your point is a huge thing. Um, and there will be a lot more of that. I mean, Australia flip-flops back and forth. You know, I have that, I, I follow Australian news, you know, they're saying 2024 is when travel is going to come back to pre-pandemic levels in Australia. Wow. Um, you know, That's and long- to that point too, you talk to agents and, and film producers even, and they're going, why would I be flying Artist X on a private jet or social talent Y on a private jet for half a million dollars to fly them out and throw them in some bougie suite at a hotel when I could have them do a live stream event or, you know, participate in a different engaging way? it's it's uh Mm -hmm. that's going to be a big thing and doing remote talent bringing them into shows from remote locations if they can't get there will be a thing being able to still stream and broadcast virtual shows is going to be a big thing um it's you know we had zoom fatigue 12 months ago and and now everyone's desperate for something else yeah (laughs) so i think that actually reminds me that uh that we're going to be opening up a huge market for the people that don't live in the production cities the the LAs and the New Yorks there's going to be a a huge market for the for the unreal engine operator or content generator who lives in Boise Idaho because they you know all they need is a a, a solid wi-fi connection and they can be doing work from their oh. living room now Absolutely. I mean, I know a lot of people that got the hell out of the big cities, you know, people that especially New York, you know, a lot of people that have sort of moved out into Connecticut and into the suburbs, you know, down to Jersey and, and out to Jersey that have, you know, within distance of New York, but why would I go, my office is closed, you know, I'm going to get a, get out of town. And I know a lot of people that have left LA and gone out to Vegas and Arizona and up into Oregon, you know, and even just into rural California you're only as good as the internet connection that you're uh, hanging off. It is, it is very true. I mean, that's, that's absolutely right. And it's, that's the emerging and it's sort of, I think it's been seen as like the 1% of 1% have been still working quite aggressively during this whole COVID time. Those people that have been fortunate enough to be attached to an XR stage. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that, there is so much work out there for unreal and disguise operators and, and workflow specialists that, you know, that take advantage of the e-learnings, you know, disguises e-learning system is free right now, you know, get in and log on and learn it. It's the, the videos are awesome. I've, you know, I did some refreshes myself. So I knew, you know, I had all the talking points to be able to speak appropriately and correctly to it with clients. You know, you can, there's all kinds of hundreds and hundreds of hours of, of e-learning for Unreal. Um, and I've, you know, got to the point where I can operate and, and drive Unreal um, just by going to online learning and tutorials. And that's great. It's a great backup uh, plan. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't even call it a backup plan, man. I'd be like anyone that wants to pivot. <laughs> I mean, even LED yeah. technicians. I'm hearing of TV studios that are desperate for qualified LED technicians because they've bought all this LED and they can't maintain it, you know? So it's, it's uh, in, in the touring world, there's this new sort of construct of, okay, cool. I don't, I like the time that I was home with my family. So I'd maybe don't necessarily want to go on tour again, but I still want to work in the industry. You know, your video mixes and video engineers and led technicians and in the big markets, that is going to be a huge job as I think personally that, xr and led volume work whether it's an xr stage or not just as a backdrop is just going to continue to grow and grow and grow and grow right once the the, the really i mean this guy's technically only released their gold version of version 18 which is their xr ready software only really came out a few days ago so you know it's uh everyone else has been working in in sort of various versions of beta software so it's kind of mm-hmm. This is just the beginning in reality of, of that whole market of XR and of virtual production. So, so this opens up a whole nother Pandora's box of <laughs> if I'm working in Stony Point, Ontario on a project that's in Los Angeles or New York, should I be making New York money or should I be making Stony Point, Ontario money? Because I don't, I don't, you know, I don't have a, a a mortgage the the same way that somebody living in New York City does. I can work for a lot less. Am I am I taking money out of New York City and bringing it to me by doing that, or am I am I am I, I don't think I'm taking a job from anybody, but but I kind of am if I'm you know, remote working in their city. I, I mean, that's a very interesting question, and I think it's probably there's a lot to unpack and I think it's almost case by case. Right. I think absolutely. Do you use that to your advantage? Right. So if, if you were working in New York city and the number, I'm just pulling numbers out of thin air, right. They have no basis whatsoever to what people should be making in in a role. Right. So if you have job X that you're used to making $150 an hour for in New York city, right. In in Manhattan, and you go to Stony Point, Ontario, and you look at the local workers and the local workers are averaging $60 or $50 an hour for that same role. Mm -hmm. Do you then take the position of going, cool, well, I'm going to charge $120 an hour. So I'm going to make higher than my living wage here. And I'm going to also be very attractive to this company in New York because I'm going to be charging less than what they would have to pay for someone in New York. Right. So maybe there's like, you can use that to your advantage, right? If you don't go, all right, I'm going to go full in, all in. I'm going to expect to get this full rate that I would have got if I was working in Manhattan, or I'm going to go, hey, I really like living in Stony Point, to, you know, Toronto, Ontario, uh-huh. or Stony Point, Ontario, I apologize. Yeah. But uh, I don't want to make what my friends here in town are making. So is there a middle ground where I can be very happy and the client can be very happy and off we all go? So I think that there's probably that sort of thing to think about, you know, when you're thinking about that, right? Because right. it's, we all watch the real estate shows and I'm sure like you, you know, like, like us, you've binged hundreds of hours of HGTV <laughs> and whatever else you can find to, to watch to, to sort of, or put yeah, the I watched all the, ti- all the Tiger King I can handle. 
you know, it's all the all the different HGTV shows where you know Doug and Francine are here and blah blah blah, and they they have a they're looking for a five bedroom, twenty seven hundred square foot house with a two acre yard, massive swimming pool, sauna, and jacuzzi, and a detached granny flat, uh, and their budget is one hundred and seventeen thousand dollars. You know, <laughs> <laughs> whereas that would be completely different in other markets. But it's always yeah, funny getting, to see uh, that, right? You get any studio maybe in LA, right? Maybe an apartment for that. Yeah, you could get this car spot for the same amount. <laughs> <laughs> you could park your car. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, there's a there's, on my old on my old uh, contracts. There was a, there's just a line for per diem because it, it requires me. I know that I'm going to be out of my house for that work. Yep. But now. Like that's kind of a, a gray area. Like there's a lot of work that I'm doing these days where I don't even have to leave my house. So do I, do I just not get that per diem money anymore? Cause I used to, you know, it was just a given, but now, you know, I'm just sending these contracts off and I just null out the, the per diem. It's a challenge, right? I mean, it's, it's, I think that per diem is, a, is definitely per diem is travel. I mean, I think that that's a thing, right. And that, Yes, if you were frugal, as most of us are, you'd walk back from a tour with a pocket full of, you know, Benjamins, right? right. So, and everyone would be happy, right? And it's not, it was never considered a tour bonus, but it was, if you were conscious of your money spending, then you would have that. If you weren't conscious of your money spending, you wouldn't. So, and I think that that's how you think about the contract, right? I'm, okay, cool. So that $250 an hour job, is only 60 bucks now, but I'd still like to have some play money. So I'm going to put my rate up a little bit more and put my business expenses against, you know, some of those costs mm-hmm. um, and, and not be paying tax on that as a, as an employee. Right. So mm-hmm. I think there's certainly that whole thing is, is what you definitely want to run through your mind as you're thinking about contracts and how much you want to be charging for something, um, you know, so you were around when I got off or got back onto the road and I was very excited to get back on the road because I had been off the road for so long and it was really hard for me to remember to ask all those other questions. You know, my first question is obviously rate, but then it was all those other things that you have to, that you forget that they're, they can be deal breakers. Like, you know, it's been forever since I had to share a room, but that's something that, that can be a deal breaker if you're on a project and then you've already signed all the contracts and the next thing you know you forgot to ask do i i'm not sharing a room am i like oh yeah so on this one you're you're sharing a room wait a minute that's that's a deal breaker those are the sort of questions that we have to remember to ask when especially when we get really desperate if we haven't worked in seven months and somebody dangles a carrot in front of us we're gonna jump yep no absolutely and it's it's what are you prepared to do you know and i think that i mean i think in this covid world i would be shocked if people push to share rooms again <laughs> I, that's I a bad still, example but you know what i'm saying no no i 100 you you're absolutely 100 on point i mean i've done it we've all done it right and and you you sort of you have that i hate to ask sort of feeling about it but you also don't want to be committed to a tour where you're sharing a room because you have to spend all this time on a bus so why do i i've got to get some personal space right you know and so and I think that's a thing. That's a big thing. And, and having simple stuff like are your transfers covered? You know, are they paying for your taxi ride to and from the airport? Are they paying to pick you up and take you from, 
you know, do you start getting paid when you walk out the front door or do you only start getting paid when you show up on site? Um, and it's different for corporate and it's different for, you know, for industrials and it's different if you're union or non-union, you know, there's definitely very specific things, you know, even now it's still the debate still rages as to whether people are going to get paid for COVID testing, you know, and that's, that's, that's happening all the time. You know, should you pay your crew? Yes. If you are requiring them to take time out of their day to do something that requires that you're requiring for them to be employed, then yes, you pay them. Right. You know, but are they doing it? Do you send the kids out? Are they doing it on a break? Are you incorporating it at another show? Then let's all be realistic, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, all of those things to your point, you know, diem, travel class, hotels, stays, you know, what's the deal with free tickets and passes, you know, making sure you understand those things. So you're not thinking you can go out there and, and, and get free tickets, which I don't think is going to be happening at all for the record. I think that's yeah, anybody listening, uh, nobody's uh, asking for free tickets for the next two years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no, happen. you know, it's uh, it, it's, I think it, in just the simple idea of creating production bubbles, right. I'm sure you may have worked on some, I've worked on a, a couple of two, three different shows that have been full on production bubbles where you get tested in and you stay in the bubble until the end. And if you leave the bubble, you have to get tested back in or you're going home even for local shows here in LA where, you know, I've played golf with a few different friends that are in production and they're, they're, you know, oh, I can't golf next weekend. I'm in a COVID bubble, right. For pre-production for X, Y, Z. So, you know, that's sort of, I think that'll be a lot of touring where we'll be bubbled and there won't be any friends on days off and there won't be any, you know, there'll be people that buy out the hotel, try and keep everyone in a bubble, you know, no guests, no friends on buses, none of that fun stuff. It'll be work, work, work. But oh, that's going to be a tough one because uh, you know, nearby friends on Facebook is going to tell you like, "Hey, you're right next to Steve Richards. You can't go see him. You're right. you're in lockdown. You're in LA. You know, you're traveling abroad, but you are also on lockdown. So don't. You get to see the Uber driver and you get to see your Uber Eats delivery guy, and that's it. Those are the people you get to see for." however long you're on that production. Absolutely. I mean, you, I know, and I'm sure you know as well, a bunch of folks that were in the uh, NBA bubble in Orlando last year, you know, and that ended up being quite grueling because that was weeks on weeks on weeks where they were in the bubble. Mm -hmm. And there was no, you know, you could test into the bubble and have people come in, but there was a whole protocol around that. And, and it was just, I think it's probably not going to happen as much, certainly as we get to this herd immunity vaccine state here. But I think that that's things to consider. And is that what you want to be in the environment you want to be in, you know, and, and make sure you understand all of those rules before you sign on the dotted line. Yeah. So you're not out there regretting that you took the gig. It's going to be real touch and go for the next few months too, because every single production is really under the microscope. Yep. And we all want to brag about how safe we're being and how well we're doing, but all it takes is one person to go off campus for too long and get something and bring it back to one of the, the, the artists or the talent or the, the athlete. And next thing you know, that whole production gets shut down for a week. And, you know, it's not going to say the headline is not going to say technician goes off campus and it's going to say, you know, the artist's name, uh, their tour got COVID. And so they had to shut down, you know, we're yep. all going to be really under the microscope for quite a while. Yep. 
And and what are the conditions in your contract that you unknowingly bring COVID into a camp or you catch COVID and you may not be the first person to catch it, but you're the last person to catch it before the artist catches it. Mm-hmm. And what things, instruments do you have in your contract that say that you're not responsibility for, you're not being held responsible for a tour getting canceled or a tour getting postponed because you brought COVID into the bubble, you know, that's a big thing, right? I mean, and we've all seen it crossing the border thread X, Y, Z, because so-and-so can't get in or it's going to cost a million dollars a day to hold this tour up because you're not letting my crew chief through or whatever. Right. I mean, that's, that's going to be a thing. And do you have backups? Some of the productions I've worked here in LA we have key roles backed up with understudies that are uh, tested into the show. So you'll have two lighting directors, you'll have two video directors, you'll have two A1s, you know, on a project. So if one of them goes down, there's an understudy ready to go. Um, you can't necessarily do that on tour, but what hap- What? what's the what if? I, wonder, I should check my, uh, my coverage. Like I'm, I'm insured for, you know, a couple mil, but I would have to find out if, I'm covered for that. Like if I bring a, a transmissible transmissible pathogen into a into a production and I shut it down, then somebody's going to want to get paid back for that. Yep. And that's where you follow the protocols, right? If you follow the protocols that the artist or the talent or the management or whomever band contract has put in place, and you still catch COVID as a byproduct of doing your job, then you you have to respect that. But if you go off campus go to a strip club or do something stupid that gets you, puts you into compromised position that you then catch this virus that everyone's so concerned about. And you bring that back into the bubble, then you're probably more than likely liable. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what, what is the reality of that? Right. I'm, you know, who knows? And I do oh, know man. talking to our insurance companies that they won't insure gigs like they they've said, no, um, it's too difficult like yeah. how can we without contact tracing we have no idea how it happened so it's tricky i wouldn't insure it and i think that's probably sadly what's going to potentially trip up some ambitions is is people are going to be ready to go and think that it's good to go and then an insurance company or someone will turn around and go you're out of your mind you know i'm not allowing you to put thirty thousand people into a jam them into an arena and be responsible for the liability of that <laughs> yeah it doesn't matter how optimistic and how careful everybody else is if, if that underwriter isn't willing to take the risk then it's a no-go yep so you know and then that does that sort of contractually from a music standpoint what does it look like if you have an artist you know there's rumors flying around about people aren't going to pay guarantees and xyz and i'm sure it's artist by artist right but mm-hmm. you book a tour and it's only going to be maximum 50% sold because that is the government rules for a majority of the venues that you're going into, right? So guarantees are lower. Does that mean the production value is lower? Does that mean the crew rates are lower? Does that mean the artist makes less money or does it mean they just don't go out? And that's going to be the interesting argument, right? Do you have to deal with those sorts of things? As a crew member, as a, as a roadie, should you go, okay, I've really enjoyed working, my, spending my time working for artist X, but they're telling me they want to get me to, they want to go, 
but here's the deal. We're all only making half the money, right? I'm as the artist only making half the money. You as the crew are only making half the money. Do you want to go? And you have to make that decision. Do I go with my artist that's taken care of me for a very long time? Or do I wait for something better to come along? These are all yep. things that, that are going to have to be considered, right? It's it's not going to be fire hose open. Everyone's batting a thousand straight out of the gate. There's going to be probably a few months of, of feeling it out and figuring out what we're going to do, what the industry is going to do, you know? I agree. We are almost out of time. One of the questions actually came straight from my audience and hopefully you might have some insight on this one. I always have a really hard time putting on my invoices any sort of late fee penalty because I feel like I'm, I'm giving them like a pre-warning that if they don't pay me, I'm going to be really upset without actually knowing that they're not going to pay me. But then if they don't pay me after, you know, whatever it is, like 18 days or 30 days, if I haven't put it there, then I'm kind of out, I'm out to dry because I didn't pre, I didn't have any forethought there. Where do you lie on putting terms on your invoices and your contracts? Uh, it, you can only put it on your invoice if it's in your contract. Um, right. I think is the is the key to that. And it is, I mean, for most people, most situations I've been in of late, it's net 15 if it's crew or staff labor only, and then it's net 30 if it's equipment, right? So right. and some people will push out to 45 and even 60. Um, the other thing to look out for, and this has happened to to my company, is that corporate big corporations. And you have to play the other side of this will actually say that they will in, they will take percentage off the invoice if they pay it quicker than the time allotted. So, so, that, so they'll say, cool, so the terms are 30, but if we pay this contract, if we pay this invoice within 14 days, we will take 3% off of this and it's in the contract. And you go, cool, yeah, big company X, there's no way they're going to do that. And they do it. And you go, oh, ouch. <laughs> Ah, three percent's a lot. That's, it is a lot sucks. when it's a big when it's a big thing, right? You know, that's 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 a transactional fee, but that allows them to leverage that, right? So oh, that's something to look out for. So look out that's, for both sides. Um, okay, but there is percentages. You know, one percent, three percent, whatever. You know, I mean, I've I've got a great attorney, and we've got great attorneys for our company, who we run anything like that by. You know, and they're always what's the worst thing that happens if you put it in and we'll get redlined if you put, you're not going to lose the work. It's a, it's a, it's a negotiation, right? So put it in there and then you have the right to charge it. And then you have the leverage to take it away when they don't pay the bill. You know, it's like, Hey, look, I'm willing to forego this, but are you going to promise me that you're going to pay this thing this week? Right. So, you know, you haven't paid me for 60 days, but, and you do know how now owe me a percentage more but I'm willing to forgo that if you agree to pay the money and that it can be a leverage tool, you know, not not necessarily a financial grab, but it can be a leverage tool to more assuredly get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I guess it comes with a disclaimer, no hard feelings, but you know, I want to get paid. Yeah, totally. And I mean, we've, we were in a situation with a huge corporation a couple of years back where they didn't pay us for a very, very long period of time. And it took until we referred them to a collections group that they suddenly freaked out and paid us, right? Okay. But, so you've got to kind of like, 
what are your tactics to get paid? Yes, absolutely. To answer your question, you can for sure, if it's in your contract, put in in your invoice a late fee. And that's a great motivation for having a contract mm-hmm. is, is to have things like that. But, you know, it's, it is certainly something to look at and it's, you have to disconnect and I'm the same way. I know you, you, you and I feel the same way about this, right? It's always, you almost feel guilty sending an invoice, right? In some instances, it's sort of that, oh, you know. It's a weird feeling, the, isn't it? The personal thing, right? You've got to separate business from personal. You've got to like, this is a business decision. And that's why some people have people negotiate for them, right? They have agents and they have other people negotiating contracts. And it's like, cool, I'm happy with the situation. Now I'm going to hand it over to my attorney to do the deal. And that can also be a very helpful leverage tool. So you can take that personal touch out of it, especially if it's a longtime friend and that, that then doesn't become a leverage point. It becomes business because you can be rest assured for the most part, the company or the entity you're dealing with have already signed contracts with other people for this piece of work. So, you know, there should be no guilt or hard feelings or anything about that, about actually getting the right instruments in place for you to be covered and have the protection to be able to then leverage that on the back end to get paid and to make sure during the event you have the conditions you're expecting and all those good things. Um, that is especially important for the most creative among us, the ones who have zero business savvy whatsoever to just be able to hand that off to somebody else who knows business and speaks business. Cause yep. when I was younger, I, I didn't at all. Like this was, was all just deer in the headlights for me and what I wouldn't give to have somebody who knew more about business than I did. Cause I, you know, I, I took my licks the hard way and uh, a lot, a lot of it was just relying on people like you to just say, Hey, what is this? Why do I owe this? Why, you know, why didn't I know about this? Yep, for sure. And it's, and that's, you know, the mentorship stuff that we, you know, very kindly wrote that article that was, I thought was amazing. It was pleasantly surprised and certainly appreciate it, but that's, that's the whole thing, right? You've got to, people have got to look out for the younger guys coming up. It's not a dog eat dog well, but the younger guys have also got to learn and understand that you have to listen and you have to respect the people that are mentoring you you know, the, the, to it's, it goes both ways, but there's certainly, you know, and I think there's probably some, some things and programs in the wings that'll allow people to be able to do that more and get that training and get that sort of, get that information in front of them so they can make the right decisions. Right on. Well, thank you so much for your time, Steve. Always a pleasure. I appreciate your insight and always uh, your unique uh, information. For sure, man. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me.